0: Not your average operator, not your average operator, not your average operator. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Operator 2022. We're bloody here. Start of the new year. The old is behind, the new's in front of us. We're all taking stock of where we're at. We've had a bit of a think and a review. And now we're moving forward into hopefully, you know, I'm I'm convinced it's gonna be a bright year. I'm convinced. Hanging on with your thing enough. How you doing there, TO? You're sitting there with your, your morning brew, you've got your cup of coffee, you've got your trucker hat, you've got a flannel, you're in a full T O uniform, you've got every part you of <laughs> <laughs> You're like a caricature of yourself. Like time I you, and you went. i wear that tonight.
1: I can't even get a sip of coffee without just just getting attacked from every angle. I, I like your work though. That's that's aggressive. I am, dude. I am good, man. I am. Uh, it's early here. Everyone should know that. I had to wake up about just a little after four thirty, so uh, to meet with you, clown. So I'm not. It's gonna take. Well, I'm just saying this because it's gonna take me a minute to start getting my wit about me. You know
2: what? I'll start, I'm not firing all cylinders <laughs> yet. There it is. It's 2022. You have hope and all that for the new year of good changes and everything. I show up on the show this morning. Nope. Same old Raph. Same asshole. Nothing changed.
0: I've got hope hope for him, Mike. The back of his hat doesn't have a mesh on it. So I don't know what the kind of hat that is, but it might be a slight upgrade.
2: Well, it's a a special hat because I don't know if you've ever seen the back of Raph's head. He has no, his skull goes straight down to his neck. So <laughs> I think it's lack of, I don't know, like a lack of brain or something. I, I don't know what's going on back there, but it's a special hat. So it's more to like keep the keep the shape as an adult, like babies do. But it's it's so a what, thing.
1: It's it's just it's funny because technically you can't see the back of my head because I actually have a thing called hair, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's really thick and robust. <laughs> just a gorgeous I mean, Mallon looking through the screen, looks like you've got a beautiful set of hair yourself.
0: Lush like the Hilden spoke in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Mike, do you have such said
0: beautiful funky full sets of hair?
2: I mean to Question me mark? to me in my perspective versus somebody that's like, you know, bald at twenty three, yeah, I do. And i I'm walking into 2022, like, confident, I think, is the word. No, I don't know. I think I'm just going to start wearing more hats like Rash. I think that's just going to fix the problem, to be honest. I it think, no,
1: make- man. I I think you price. should do the opposite. I think you should. It's a power move. I think you should not wear a hat. I think you should just own the Friar Tuck, at, by, because it's coming by the end of the year. I'm going to call it right now. Friar <laughs> Tuck. December circa 2022. I'm calling it.
2: <laughs> oh oh man.
0: man Oh man Oh and Just 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 as a quick update, Tito, you know, where are you right now? You by planning you still studying in uh, yeah. yeah, I'm still at uh I'm still learning how to fly a plane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the I cockpit, yeah I the actually... At the front. Mate. Say that again. The cockpit is at the front. And when you strap in should be able to see at yeah, the canopy. You're looking at right fiddles You've got
1: red <laughs> Uh Listen, man, it's been uh, – I actually had to, I had dinner with a good friend of mine last night. Um, was it the night before? It was the night before. Anyways, he flies from another legacy major airline. And coincidentally, the plane I'm training training on is the plane he flies now. So we were able to do a little bit of shop talk over over dinner. And I'm, I'll be honest, man, it's a little overwhelming right now. You know, because they just, they feed you tremendous amounts of information and you're expected to really know, like, you know, if they, if they mention it, you somehow need to know it.
2: <laughs> so, But um, imagine that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate when they want you to be a professional. It's the worst. But anyways, I'm what I'm trying to get at is it's, it just talking to them. It's just, I'm kind of excited. It's I mean, it sounds like a really fun plane to kind of grind your teeth on, you know, in the airline business. So uh, we'll see.
0: Hopefully it won't, uh,
2: well, I won't find an airline going. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not on that plane. Oh, it's a, it's such a great aircraft to grind my teeth on. It's just like, God, that sounds hor- horrific. Like I don't want to be in the back of that plane while Raph's grinding his teeth onto the new plane. You kidding me? <laughs> be grinding my teeth in the back, saying "Lana's damn thing." Well,
0: I'm just gonna hey. have to I'm gonna throw, a red lawn, please, I'm gonna throw a lawn so me in This time it's lawn so I keep about it. Network, because we've got a guest here who's listening patiently, he's really fine right now through <laughs> 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 the fucking terrible banter that the world of so, so Adam, how are you doing, man?
3: Good, how are you?
0: Mate, I'm well. I mean, I'm, I'm in Barcelona, the last time Barcelona's had an amazing Christmas year, a little bit of Christmas spirit and, you know, there was a Three Kings parade last night that the Today is this is like the big day for Christmas for so them. They do gift giving today, and the three kings brought the gifts to baby Jesus. That's when they did the gifts I mean, it actually makes more sense than that tattoo with a red and white suit on. But so it's really nice Christmas place to be. We went out to the countryside yesterday and visited a monastery up on the mountain, and it it's just like a spectacular and beautiful and fun. And uh, Welcome aboard. Um, you know, maybe you just want to, I don't know, maybe Mike, you want to introduce Adam, because obviously he's the connection from your mates. Um, uh, maybe, you just maybe pull us in on, on the back story he well, but Adam wanted to get, he's a long time listener, by the way, and he's connected with all of us offline over a very long time.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So just giving you a quick intro about Adam. Adam and I have been friends for a while now. Uh, I want to say until early 2000s. Um, it was uh up in pittsburgh we were we were both teenagers and uh we joined this program called the navy sea cadets and uh it was just as close as you could get to the military it's kind of like a jrotc thing uh it's a part of the navy league which is part of the navy and uh you basically get to wear uniforms and learn naval customs and you do little training trips and all this other stuff like that so i met adam uh, at one of our weekend drills that we had there, and uh everybody kind of had a different goal back then and doing different things and uh you know my mine was going into special operations and a couple other people want to go to the army or whatever but adam <clears throat> Adam was very special he still is very special, <laughs> and uh his goal was to uh be a marine from the beginning, and he'd always talk about how bad he wanted to be a united states marine and um we got along uh, to put it to put it very very clearly and uh <laughs> yeah, we had a great time and uh you know just throughout the years we've all stayed in touch not not just Adam and I but honestly the the Cadet group that we've all been um that we're all with uh, together and I think about 75% of us actually went and um joined the military and uh in some capacity either the the, the navy the marines I think there's a couple army there and everything else. So it's pretty cool to to maintain these relationships. But um I definitely say over the last year, year and a half or so, Adam Adams and I the relationship has definitely gone to the next level uh with some of the stuff that we're going to talk about and share today, which I'm very proud of, I'm very I'm very thankful for. And uh but yeah, that's kind of our background and you know, I'll turn it over to to the handsome one here and uh he can kind of <laughs> Give us a little bit of a bio, so where, kind of where you're from, man, and a little bit of background about yourself and your service and your family. It's all yours.
3: All right. Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, like Mike said, uh, you know, I grew up here in Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, we, we go back all the way from high school. Um, straight out of high school. Uh, joined the military, uh, decided I was gonna be in the Marine Corps. Um, during our time, uh, as Sea Cadets, uh, Mike and I had a very, uh, unique opportunity, uh, to where we actually were able to meet, uh, two, not just one, but two, uh, living Medal of Honor recipients. Uh, one in particular was, uh, Colonel Wesley Fox. Uh, he was nominated from, uh, his actions during in Vietnam he was also considered for actions in the Korean War as well um which is pretty pretty you know badass to say the least and uh after meeting him and having the honor of him um presenting uh our awards to us he was actually there for an award ceremony that we had um was uh you know more than humbling at an early age and that kind of locked locked my future in for me. I was like, you know, this guy's t- sitting here telling us our his life story and uh you know, his his story was just was was just amazing. Uh you could have heard a pin drop, you know, the, the group of what 30 40 of us that were sitting there. Yeah. Um you know, even though Mike decided he wanted to go play in the water, you know, every, everybody Everybody there, regardless of what route they wanted to take, was, was in awe of, uh, his story. And then, uh, then it was followed up the very next day by, uh, uh, man, I can't forget, I can't remember his first name. Uh, they call him, uh, Woody. Um, Herschel Woody Williams. Yes. Herschel, Herschel Woody Williams. He's still um, alive. He is. He's the oldest Medal of Honor recipient still alive. Um, and he, he was another Marine, just total badass. Uh, he carried the flamethrower during the invasion of uh, Iwo Jima. Uh, so needless to say, he had quite the adventures in his uh, military career. So, which know, and, I, and he, I'd
2: like to I'd like to say is just <clears throat> that's the type of influence that Adam and I grew up around as teenagers. You know, most people are worried about going out, sneaking out, getting drunk and, hey, what party are we going to this weekend and this and that. And, and I'll tell you, one of the best things that we did is join Sea Cadets and get a level of understanding about the world and real life about what was coming and the opportunities that we had and start surrounding ourselves with really good people. Not just the other cadets, but honestly, the people that we met through that program, including... um uh, Woody Williams and uh Colonel Wesley Fox was just oh my god I mean that was our weekend was hanging out with a with a few Medal of Honor recipients and hearing stories about a 17 year old marine on Iwo Jima taking out two two Japanese bunkers with him by himself yeah. with two 45s and a and a flamethrower and then um Wesley Fox being in Vietnam after being in Korea as a recon marine calling in airstrikes on himself after everybody's wounded and took out like an entire, uh, I think it was a NVA company. It was like a hundred and 120 or something Pulling an airstrikes on his own position. And he, and he lived, I I mean, it's just like, how was your weekend (laughs) (laughs) after, after that? So yeah, but go ahead, Adam.
3: Yeah, that's, you know, and, and like Mike said, that, that was our influence, Uh, you know, and, and me and him have had the conversation before, and I know he's talked about it on, on the show before too, is, you know, we we're part of that generation, you know, the the nine eleven generation to where we were still young kids at the time, but at the same time, we were old enough to be heavily impacted by the events of nine eleven. And like, like I said, I know you, you went into pretty good detail with it, uh, on your September 11th, uh, episode. Um, and that, and that's what really drove, I know, I know it, it drove, drove me to definitely join the military. I know, you know, Mike, we've, we've, like I said, we've talked about it and, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's what really formed a lot of our, uh, understanding and, and harsh reality of, of what actually goes on in the world and uh you know it, it even to this day it makes me proud to to be a part of that um as as odd as that sounds um but i mean uh, i don't know what else to say about that you know
2: sometimes you don't have to say anything man you just know honestly, right 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 so um so in the marine corps uh wh- what did you do in the marines where did you deploy to uh what was your time like
3: um so i i joined uh in 2006 uh which like i said before went straight out of high school um i end up in field artillery um that was a, what they call an 0811 so i was a little gun bunny as as we're referred to by many um i was with uh sierra battery 5th battalion 10th marines uh out of Camp Lejeune. Uh we were we were part of the N Street hooligans is what we were were referred to as because uh, N Street was the uh street that we lived on and a lot of shenanigans uh definitely go on in that area. It sounds like a professional group. Uh pretty much. We're we professional uh clowns uh, to to say the least <laughs> um no, nah, it was it was a great bunch of guys. You know, I'm I'm still in contact with a lot of them. Uh, you know, like it just uh, it was it was definitely a light a life changing uh, experience. Um, you know, I, s- shortly after getting you know going through boot camp down to Paris Island, and you know, I went to school out in uh, I went to our artillery school out in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, which was uh, interesting in itself uh kind of awkward being a marine on an army base especially when you see the army guys doing group pull-ups together didn't make sense to me especially after just getting out of boot camp but hey whatever um you know it just added fuel to the fire for us to pick on them um but and then uh at, shortly after that uh end up back down in uh camp lejeune uh which by the way was kind of kind of awesome too for me uh, because one of my childhood best friends um, he joined the Marines as well and uh, we actually went to boot camp together we weren't on the the buddy program like a lot of people go to uh, we end up actually in the same uh, platoon while we in boot camp nobody knew that we uh, even knew each other uh, which was awesome because I felt that we played it off really well and uh, you know so it, it was it was really humbling to have somebody else to go through this experience with and uh you know i mean you know he's still my best friend to this day you know he was the best man in my wedding and everything um and he ended up after he after he graduated boot camp he went to school and, and we ended up in camp legend together um so we were able to spend a lot of our military careers together as well um which was you know pretty awesome
2: that's good. To yeah. That's how I am with Raph and Melon. You know, they're like, "Oh, who are these guys? I don't know these guys."
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> right? I don't know. They're kind of doing their own damn thing. I don't know who these guys are. So, right? They're they're a lot older than me, and I don't hang out with old people. And it's just, I don't know. They, they've been following me around awkwardly. One of them has got a beer. The other one seems like he's lost, and he's speaking Spanish to random people. I don't know. I don't know.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you hear that shit eating laugh? <laughs> Raph
0: still hasn't finished his first coffee of the morning oh man so
2: after after um lejeune so after
3: so so yeah so after after lejeune and everything um you know i got i got down there got with the unit i was with like i said before you know bun- a great bunch of guys um we end up uh they they had just gotten back from a deployment but they were actually getting ready for another one so we only had a short amount of time to uh get trained up uh to leave for uh we were were cut to leave for iraq uh you know so we did all the the um different trainings you know we went out to california to mojave viper and uh got the uh, climate acclimation training in and everything which sucked you know middle of death valley for no reason 135 degrees outside, you know, just baking in the sun. So, um, did that. Uh, I left for Iraq in, uh, September of 07. Uh, we were, uh, deployed to Fallujah, Iraq, uh, which was a shithole to say the least. Um, nothing too crazy happened, you know, on the deployment. Uh, you know, our unit, we were, we were broken up into three, three different, uh, groups. Not only did we do, uh, field artillery, uh, but we also did convoy security to where we did, um, mounted, uh, mounted patrols with, and we did a lot of, uh, VIP escorts and stuff like that, uh, which was, you know, pretty cool in itself. And then, um, we also had guys, uh, attached with EOD units providing, uh, provisional security for them as well. Uh, so, you know, everybody thinks artillery we, we just pull string go boom but no we actually do a lot more than that and uh we're pretty well versed in, in everything that we did uh like i said the the deployment itself wasn't wasn't too crazy it was the normal you know iraq deployment um you know not trying to downplay it too much i mean we got shot at we you know we we did have incoming um Incoming workers and stuff, uh, a lot of IEDs. Um, came back, uh, 2008. It was April 2008. Came back from, uh, from that. Which, the other thing too, that was around the same time period that, um, a lot of the airlines were, um, they were having problems with, uh, fuel and, and whatever. So, uh, there was a lot of flights getting canceled. So we actually, stuck in Iraq for longer than what we were slated to be there, which made it even worse on morale for us, because we sat around for a whole extra month uh, waiting for a plane ride out of there, thinking like, hey, we were already here, this sucked, I want to go home, but we didn't know when we were leaving. And the other units that came in to replace us had already replaced us, so there was absolutely nothing for us to do. Um So, Made for a very, uh, mentally draining, uh, month for us. And, uh. The Air
0: Force is the worst, Adam. What's that? The Air Force is the worst. We all
3: know it. <laughs> no, it actually wasn't even the Air Force. It was, uh, the, the, the private airlines that, because they were flying us out of, uh, Kuwait City to fly us back to the right. States. And, uh, but, they but just
1: yeah, I'd say but trust us, it doesn't change the fact that Air Force is the worst. <laughs>
3: hey, I try not to throw too many, uh too many darts at the Air Force. <laughs> Quick little story was um my my sister, I have an older sister, and uh she started uh she she moved out to Las Vegas and, and ended up uh as a as a pastry chef, which was pretty cool and then uh she ended up started dating the guy out there and everything and she she uh calls home the one time and you know, was talking to my dad and, and end up uh says that oh, she's gonna bring him home for us to meet him and stuff. But then she specifically pointed out to me and she was like, You have to play nice and I was like, Oh great, this only means one of two things. It means that he's in the military and he's either in the army or the navy and I was completely wrong with both. But he was he was in the air force, so I was like, oh, okay, now Now it's really game one, but now nah, he he turns out that he's he's pretty awesome, and me and him get along him really half. well. What's that?
0: You let him in the house, or like, you got a lazy blue handbag at the door?
3: <laughs> no, I asked him if he brought his lazy boy recliner with him. <laughs> so, but he he actually, he was a, a Predator drone pilot, which is, uh, you know, pretty respectable, and, you know, I thought it was, was pretty cool, and, you know, we bonded really well, which freaked my sister out because the fact that we got along so well and we throw our jabs in there every once in a while so but all in all it's we, we get along so
0: after, after
3: after uh
0: after a night, back to the
3: yeah I follow up. uh so the day we got back from the states um my family was supposed to be there um But because of us getting delayed and everything, they end up, uh, they weren't able to be there. And that's what kind of started my downward spiral um, in life, just because coming back from a crap deployment and uh, seeing everybody get off the buses and go to their families and, you know, hug their loved ones and and all that and not have nobody there for you. uh, That sucked. Um, the best I got to do was go take all my gear and take it to my new, uh, barracks room, which was nothing more than pretty much a gel soap because it's concrete, painted concrete blocks. You know, there's steel, steel, uh, furniture in it, you know. Um, so needless to say, after not drinking for a long time and having the access to uh, alcohol again I was like all right cool we'll just have a few and turned into a lot more and it started to feel um, different for me a little bit to to drink like I, it I, I could kind of say like I kind of ripped a band-aid off that day um, because that's the way that I started to handle um, my emotions um, and I start to realize that um it wasn't wasn't the best for me, um but anyhow, woke up the next morning, mad hangover um you know we still had formation and everything, and they were getting ready to start letting guys uh leave on uh on post deployment leave um, pretty much from there on out, um, you know, I started to struggle um mentally. Um, like I said you know our our deployment wasn't too crazy um you know what I consider I consider a normal deployment, some people may not um but uh, again, that's where I started to really struggle. My sleep started to suck um life just didn't seem the same uh after coming back um when I was on post deployment uh leave like I just started to really feel empty um that's when i all the red flags started showing up but yet i didn't know what they were even though you know we come back they they, we, they ran us through a bunch of classes and everything um you know hey if you feel this way you feel that way nobody really pays attention to the classes like let's just be honest um so it was just to me it was a waste of time for us to be in those classes but little did i know i should have probably paid attention And, uh, a buddy of mine was getting married, a good friend of mine from, uh, the fire department, which I didn't mention. Um, when I was 16, still in high school and everything, I I joined the local volunteer fire department as well. So not only was I a fireman, but I was also, you know, a a Marine and everything too. And every time I came on, came home from, uh, leave, I still would answer fire calls and, and do all that stuff. So, um, I actually got recognized for that too which was, was kind of cool in itself um you know the the mayor of the the town that i live in he he uh actually seen me on a call he was like did you just get back and i was like yeah and like it was just nothing to me and uh anyhow um so with my buddy getting married uh we we actually didn't know if i was going to be back in time for the uh the wedding and i was actually supposed to be part of the wedding um fortunately i did make it in just the nick of time um wasn't even in the united states a week and we were we went out for his uh bachelor party part of his bachelor party was we were going to a uh it was an indoor paintball course i was like okay cool i just came back from combat like what's a little what's gonna be a couple paypals, man like (laughs) uh you you know it, it was game on like i was i was gonna go out there and just annihilate everybody and you know try to be a total badass um that's basically whenever i had my first uh my first ptsd experience um we played probably about three or four games. Everything was cool. Everybody, like, we, we were picking teams and everybody was like, Oh, I want to be on his team. I want to be on his, his team. I'm like, nothing special. Like they're like, yeah, but you're a Marine and, and you just got back. And I was like, all right, whatever. Anyhow. So we, we got about four games into it and, uh, I got pinned down in the middle. Like I was just running and, and they were inflatable, um, uh, targets and every, or not targets, but, uh, inflatable barriers. And, uh, it was a big, there was a big X in the middle and this thing stood probably about 10 feet tall. And uh, I'm sitting there, another one of my friends that was on the other team, he he was on the opposite side of the barrier, same barrier as I was. And I'm trying to poke around and, and, and shoot him and stuff. And I just couldn't get a shot off on him. And um, that's when, that's when the, like, the weirdest thing started to happen was I could hear the individual uh, paintballs flying past my head and I could hear that whizzing. And, uh, you know, then, then you hear the faint sound of, of the, uh, the paintballs, paintball guns firing. And, um, like, it's like time itself slowed down for me and that's all I could focus. Like I didn't hear anything else. I just heard the paintball gun shooting and I heard the paintballs whizzing. And, um, I personally don't remember what happened after that. Um, My friends had to kind of fill me in the next day on uh, what took place. But apparently I was able to reach over, shot my buddy in the face. He dropped his gun, his paintball gun. I picked it up and shot everybody on the field, including the refs, uh, several times. And uh, I don't remember doing that. You know, I just straight up Duke Nukem to everybody. And if anybody doesn't remember the video game from what the nineties, Duke Nukem, it was an awesome game. Um, but yeah. So, like I said, I, I don't remember what happened. Like I just kind of blacked out. Um, obviously once, once I kind of like started to come to, I guess, um, I went and sat down and I just sat there and my hands were shaking and my my buddies they didn't know what to do like they they just you know they didn't know what was going on with me I didn't know what was going on with me they're like they kept asking like you good and I'm like yeah you know I'll be all right I'm just gonna kind of hang out a little bit um so yeah that was that was my first uh my first PTSD experience and
2: uh so Adam real quick with <clears throat> when that happened and you know Fast forward twenty four hours, or you kind of go back and you're sitting there thinking, like, how did I do something like this, and I can't remember it. Like, feeling that emotion of just like I didn't have control over myself for a period in time. What was your thought process on like
3: what what needs to happen now? That was the thing is I didn't know I didn't know how to cope with it. I didn't know who to talk to. Um. And you know to 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 be honest and I feel comfortable sharing this now I was scared i was I was honestly scared on the inside because it started to make me feel differently it started to make me feel like who am I now um, and really question myself um as I mentioned, um I started to feel empty on the inside like i I personally felt like something inside of me died something inside of me never came back from iraq like whatever it was it stayed there and i just felt like i was just a robot at that point just going through the motions in life you know waking up every day uh you know just going through daily routine um
2: so what kind of so how long did this go on for and kind of like what was the next transition
3: point uh for your, for your, for your life years it went on for a long time you know, like I said, I got back in two thousand eight um dealt started to my symptoms of of p t s d and everything started to uh actually get worse uh and that was because again i i didn't know who to go to I didn't know who to talk to um you know going back down to the june after after being on leave and everything i eventually um, did try to seek, uh, help, uh, for PTSD. Um, I contacted my, I, I went through the proper channels. I contacted my chain of command and, and told them like, Hey, I got some, some stuff going on. Um, and th- they did help me. Like, um, you know, I, I feel like out of, out of everything I did then, that was about the only thing I did right. The only thing I did right, like I said, was, was contact my, my chain of command. They were able to help get me pointed in the right direction. Um, I was able to talk to a counselor for a while. Um, which helped a little bit, but my mind wasn't, everything was still so fresh. Um, my mind wasn't really in the right place for it. And, um, my behaviors because of that, um, was what was making things worse. Because that's where, like I said before, you know, I started drinking, ripped that Band-Aid off, and, you know, that was my way of coping. Um, so as things got worse for me, my behaviors got worse, too. And uh, that, that lasted all the way up until only a few years ago. Um, so you got to think from, from 2008 all the way up until, we'll say, probably about four, three or four years ago.
2: So just to kind of you know, look at it as joining the Marine Corps. You're this, you know, you're excited. You're like, man, this is the dream. This is what I've always wanted to do. And you get into the Marine Corps and you're doing it. You loved it, you know, and then you get back from this deployment and the whole world just kind of changes like reality changes. Your emotions change. Like something about yourself is not yourself anymore and you can recognize it, but you kind of feel lost. You kind of feel like, well, what's next? Where am I supposed to do? How do I act? And, uh, how, just, just for the listeners, how old were you
3: at this time? Nineteen. Nineteen years old. Yep. Yeah, I, can, I, my birthday. I spent my nineteenth birthday actually in Iraq, <laughs> um. So, that that was fun in itself. Um, and actually, it ended up turned out to be a pretty crappy day too. So, made it even worse.
2: So, if we if we fast forward a little bit, when when did you get out of the Marine Corps?
3: Uh, I got out in two thousand ten. Off of, well, I got off of active duty in two thousand ten. And then uh I was completely out of the Marine Corps uh July of two thousand
2: thirteen. Okay. And then um I, I again with what you're you're comfortable with, kind of uh summarize, you know, what the next few years look like for you.
3: Um that was pretty much the darkest points of my life um the main gist of, of of the whole entire story without getting too crazy in depth is uh i still didn't know how to function i didn't know how to function the right way um you know i i struggled religiously um i struggled with addictions uh 2009 uh we were I, this is while I still in um 2009, we were training to uh, leave on a a deployment. We call them a a Mew. You may be a little bit familiar with those. Um, Which stands for Marine Expeditionary Unit. That's where they take a bunch of crazy Marines and put them on a Navy boat and expect them to get along. (laughs) Um, And if I hear the song, I'm on a boat, I'm probably going to punch the nearest Navy guy just saying because I thought it was hilarious to play that every single morning for us. (laughs) So
2: right, I think Raff was a Navy corpsman around this time. It might have been him. <laughs> 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 um.
3: So anyhow, we were we were training for that, and uh, I was a machine gunner. I I got to carry the uh, the the 240, uh, which is an amazing weapon. Even though I'm a huge fan of the uh, the Ma-Deuce, the 50 cal. Um, but I would gladly carry a 40 cal over a 50 cal just cause they're a lot lighter. Um, and, uh, I was, I was supposed to be, you know, the first boots on the ground. If anything happened for this Mew, which was, was an amazing, uh, I felt like a highlight because, you know, that my command felt comfortable with me, not only being a machine gunner, but also, uh, you know, on the first team to reaction team to, uh, anything going on in the world. Um we were doing some training and uh I ended up got hurt and blew out my knee. Um tore three out of the four ligaments in the knee, um completely destroyed my ACL, uh MCL and PCL and there was a couple of tears in my meniscus as well. Uh so needless to say I was not able to perform my duties anymore. Um and that there I could kind of say was uh my first hit of rock bottom, sitting in the, uh, the naval hospital with a lot of the uh, medical personnel and having the, uh, the medical chief tell me that I am no longer fit for duty. take, him, take a field Marine and tell him that he cannot perform his duties anymore. That's uh, you, you might as well have just took me out back and shot me uh, at that point. Uh, Because I no longer had a job. I no longer had a purpose. Um,
2: so, So, Adam, is it, you know, we've talked about this before about identity. And basically what you just said is your identity in life was being a Marine. And that was about it. And when you blew out your knee, that was the last kind of straw. And then there was no identity after that that was taken from me. Am I right?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't look at it that way. Obviously then, uh, you know, it took, took many years to be able to see it from a different perspective, but yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. You know, you, you pretty much nailed the, uh, nailed it there with, with the identity part. Um, you know, I, I didn't have identity. So, uh, it took a lot of, a lot of time to try to rebound from that. Like, okay, well, what's the next step? What am I going to do next? Um I got stuck at a desk job, which I, I am not cut out for desk jobs, to say the least, uh, especially working in an admin office. Uh yeah, that wasn't wasn't the uh the greatest. I mean, I got to meet a lot of good Marines through that. Uh you know, I I, I made a lot more friends. Uh so so I don't look at the the experience negatively in in that aspect because like like I said I I did get to meet a lot of good guys um I unfortunately I lost a couple of those guys too but um you know it, it it gave me a different perspective too um it took me a long time to get surgery um needless to say I'm the typical stubborn marine as well um definitely didn't listen to doctor's orders um Matter of fact, he, the, I had the surgeon flat out, tell me I was an idiot. Um, which was entertaining in itself because he was asking me if my knee hurt. And I said, yeah. And he was like, well, why? And I was like, Oh, I was playing paintball yesterday. Um, he was not thrilled to hear that. Um, but it was what it was. And, uh, one of the, one of the biggest problems I see with the, uh, the military, especially when people get hurt and everything, um, they're very quick to, give you prescriptions and uh as i said before i already started to deal with some different addiction problems um you know obviously alcohol is one of them well because of my injury i end up was able to get a hold of um they started to prescribe me percocets i never taken percocets before as, as a kid i think maybe maybe once or twice but um that was it um I end up started getting hooked on them. Going through rehab and everything after my surgery. Actually right after my surgery, they gave me even more uh prescriptions. Um I had Percocets, I had Vicodins, and I even had um I think it was twenty milligram uh morphines for for a while. And uh that combination plus I was still drinking. Um it just started to dig that that deepest hole, even deeper for me, um, had a lot of relationship problems at that point, too, um, couldn't keep, couldn't keep a relationship, so, uh, again, my, my addiction started, my, my coping was to drown myself, drown myself in, in alcohol, in, in pills, um, you know, just scrounging to get by, It actually got to the point to where, still as an active duty marine, I was drinking on the job, um, you know, during my lunch or whatever, or sometimes even in the morning. You know, I'd wait until I was smart enough to wait until after PT to drink, but um, you know, I would I would mix a drink and sip on it throughout the day. Um, As foolish as that was, no, go ahead, Rap. Yeah,
1: I just quick question because I'm obviously. pretty in tune with your story right now just listen to it and i just i'm just it's really a question and i'm not trying to diminish any of what you've been going through clearly you were in the bell of hell the bowels of hell there but now that you're in a much better place clearly and you've accomplished quite a bit i'm sure we're going to get to that here pretty shortly um looking back it sounds like a lot of what you were going through is just like kind of self-sabotage and like resistance to change and obviously not like somehow you knew that you were losing your purpose because you were losing the title of Marine, right? Active duty Marine, at least. But at the core of it, do you know what was causing that? Cause it sounds like a lot of this was self-inflicted. Like you were just kind of, cause in the beginning you said, you know, I, a lot of the treatment that I was getting wasn't helping even though they directed me in the right direction. So it sounds like there was a lot of resistance internally. And did you ever figure out what it was that was causing you to just kind of, was it like a self-loathing? Was it like, I mean, what, what, because it sounds like people were trying to help, but you just were not necessarily, you know, I guess helping yourself. Is that is that a good way I don't know if I'm phrasing that right. I don't know if, like
3: No, you're you're right on with that. That's it was it was all self destructive. Um you know I guess I'm asking
1: why. Like do you looking back now that you're in a good place, do you know why? Like do you know what the the origin of that was?
3: To be honest, no. Um you know, I I had my my whole entire life, my whole entire dreams were to be a marine. Well, I accomplished that. I never thought of what the next step was. I never had a a plan beyond that. You know, as as ever, most people go into the military, they they want to make a career out of it. They want to stay the twenty years, <clears throat> and and that that's what my dream was. I wanted to be a marine until they tell me I can't be a marine no more. Well, unfortunately for mine, for for me, that was. Three years or four years later. Um, and, uh, I just, I, I didn't have a plan. Um, you know, it was like, uh, oh, that, that was my oh shit moment to where it's like, oh shit, what is my next step? What am I going to do? Um, I had spent my, my whole entire teenage years preparing to become a Marine to where I didn't prepare for anything beyond the Marines. I didn't have a plan. I didn't didn't even have a clue what what else I was gonna do. Um, and I think even just mentally, I wasn't even mature enough to have plans. I mean, I'm not 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 saying that I couldn't make plans to on on what to do each day and everything, but like, I don't I don't think mentally I was mature enough to realize what I was doing. But uh, Paul, I'm
0: just gonna say, like, this firstly, thank you so much. You to share this kind of stuff. You to share this kind of stuff with our audience. Like, I have no doubt that this is gonna make it. This is gonna land right in the center of the, you know, center of the some people out there. And there's gonna be other people. You're just gonna educate them. Definitely, I just want to say, like, <clears throat> the person going through this is not this, the person we're listening to right now. You've got to remember the age, the person going through it, the person really 20, that nearly everyone. that process of who am I You put
2: Just for just for time's sake, man. Because I mean, there's a lot to unpack and everything. But I kind of want to get to the significant point for you, for who you are now, right? And I know this. I know this is tough, man. And but, I as I told you back then, I, I said I'm really proud of you, and I love you for for doing this. And I and I still mean that. Um, let's go to July 2020.
3: Around. Uh, I- Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump a little bit back before that because it's, uh, one of the key, key points. Okay. So we'll fast forward a little bit from, from, uh, what, 2010, 2013, started struggling real bad. Alcohol got worse. Relationships got worse. You know, using women for, you know, whatever. Um, you know, it just struggled, struggled. Um, end up met, uh, my now wife. Uh, April, uh, who's a very amazing person. I was telling you guys a little bit about her. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Shout out to April.
3: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, told, I told her I was gonna gonna talk highly of her today. So, um, we started dating, and uh, you know I was still going through my struggles. Um, we met back in 2012, and uh, you know started dating shortly after. Um, but my problems were. My problems carried over into my relationship with her. Um, you know, I was, I, w- I wasn't faithful from the, from the day, w- from day one. Um, and I knew she was a little bit different. Like I, I knew that she was somebody different to me is, is what I mean. And, uh, I didn't want to hurt her. So like I, I kept on like trying to push her away. Like I, 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 inside, I didn't want to be that bad guy, but I also knew that I was that bad guy. Um, time went on um you know our relationship started moving forward and everything so i'm going to fast forward to uh 2017 actually 2016 uh, i was working a job got laid off from my job uh that was my first time in my life being laid off and not having a job um and also that was my first time not working um so to have all my problems, my addiction problems and, and everything all the way up to that point. Not working is the worst thing that could have happened to me. Um I literally had nothing but time to be inside of my head. And uh that was the most dangerous place for me to ever be. Um, the reason why I worked so much was so that I wasn't inside of my head. Um Just to keep myself busy. And because uh, I knew if I. Stopped, I had to deal with my problems and I didn't want to face those problems. Um, because it wasn't just military related, it was, you know, fire department and stuff like that, you know. Um, anyhow, my, the layoff was, was on and off for six months. Um, finances and all the other stresses in life. Um, uh, my daughter was just born at, at that time. Uh so you know I was in, I was a new dad not to mention I have 3 stepsons that are older too um you know stresses with with dealing with that and you know their fathers not being in their lives and stuff and uh you know it was it was a lot to take I went from having no kids to having three kids to having four kids all within about a year and a half um you know like it, it went quick and uh anyhow uh february of 2017 um i i want to say i kind of hit uh another rock bottom at that point um i started that that's when my suicidal uh sides started to really come out um i've struggled with it in the past you know, from, from coming back from deployment and stuff, you know, I had probably one or two times where it's crossed my mind and, and, you know, plans and the whole, whole nine yards with that. Um, there was one or two attempts between that time period. Um, not going to really go into details with those. That's um, good. You're good. and 2000, like I said, February 2014, or no, 2017, excuse me. Um, I was just I couldn't get any lower. I could not get any lower at that point. Um me and April we were we were fighting. Uh she also found out that I was talking to other women via text message and social media platforms and stuff and uh we were we were on the on the on the men's, like or not on the men's, we were on the outs. Um she was ready to leave me. I was gonna I was gonna lose my kids, like the whole everything um my life was crashing down um the stress of of being uh of being laid off and everything you know it just it all added up it all piled up on me um got to the point to where i grabbed my gun uh and my range bag and i was ready to leave i was ready to leave the house and uh she told me she was like look you Excuse me, you, you leave this house i'm gonna I have to call somebody like i'm I'm gonna have to call the cops and like she didn't know what to do like she she never was around anything like this um and at that point, I didn't care I didn't care about life I didn't care about anything, and you know she she even said like look you you know you have a daughter like she's she's not gonna grow up without her father, she's not gonna have you know have somebody to walk her down the aisle." and stuff like that and you know that kind of hit home for me but at the same time like my mind was just so so lost um and my my soul my soul was so lost and and broken at that point to where I I told her I was like you call the cops go for it I was like they're gonna stop me first like I was in the position to where mentally I was ready to do whatever it took for me to get away from my pain and I was, I was willing to, to hurt people. You know, not that I would want to necessarily kill anybody or, or anything, but, you know, I just, I wanted to get away from it all. And, uh, she did some searching. April did some searching online and, and, uh, you know, some groups on Facebook and stuff. And she came across, uh, a program called, uh, Muddy Oaks, uh, Warrior Program. Uh, it was founded by, uh, Chad Robichaux. Uh, who is a uh, Marine recon uh, veteran. Uh, so shout out to him and his program and everything. And uh, they were able to get me in right away, which was, was amazing um, because I was not, I, I was not ready for like a, a clinical, Hey, I'm going to go stay in in a place to try to get my mind straight. Um, they paid for my airline ticket, sent me out to California, which was beautiful. Uh, we, And, uh, we were on a a 25,000 acre, uh, cattle ranch, uh, with a million dollar, uh, uh, cabin that we were staying in. And it was me and a bunch of other guys and we were, we were all veterans and, uh, excuse me, that was a a huge turning point for me because the first time that, that was the first time to where I was sitting around a bunch of guys, just like we are now and we were just talking telling our story and uh and paul you started to touch on it a little bit was uh you know i listened we we had a day of of giving testimony and i here i am i was intimidated because we had guys from all ranks of of the military and uh all backgrounds and you know my team leader he he was a a seal on the teams and stuff and like this, to me, this guy's a badass, you know, but his story was no different than the major that was sitting there or the the little PSC or, you know, everybody's story was pretty much the same. We all struggled with alcohol. We all struggled with addictions. We all, you know, sex, you you name it. We all had the same struggle. It was just the experience was just a little different. That was the only thing that really changed. Um so to sit here and hear everybody's story um basically you know fit the same same criteria was was crazy to me because for all this time i felt like it was just me like i was the only one that was that way um so i didn't feel it was broken it was it was kind of weird and uh all that time all up into that point i was i was lying to myself i was lying to april i was lying to my friends. Like nobody, nobody knew me at that point. I didn't know me. And uh, a lot of the things I thought about was uh, having authentic relationships. That, that was one of the biggest things I, I took from there. And the word legacy. Legacy was something that they they really wanted us to focus on. What were you going to be remembered by? What was, what was, what was your impact on this on this earth going to be and um so trying to keep authentic and, and trying to keep open-minded as possible like that was the first time i said a lot of the things out loud it was the first time i told my story to people i didn't know and just like here you know there was there was no judgment you know there was after i was done talking you know the guys they hugged me and uh you know and, and we share we shared that moment now that, that was a bond that we all created and, and we carry with us every single day now um and one of the most symbolic things that that I took away with that as well was when when we finished the program it was a one week uh program and uh they give you <clears throat> what's called a rudis i don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all but a rudis it's a wooden sword that the uh, gladiators, the from you know the Colosseum days, would get whenever they gained their freedom, and the symbolism for that was is that we gained our freedom that 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 time because we told our stories, we were we were given the tools to live a better life at that point. Um, I personally was not uh, I I personally was not prepared uh for that. There you go, Mike. And uh. You know, come back and, and I still struggled. Um, things weren't as bad for me, but I, I still struggled. And then, uh, Mike, Mike had mentioned, uh, July 2020, you know, just, just a little bit ago. Um, I hit that rock bottom again, you know, because I was still struggling with, with identity. Um, my problem from that point, from, from 2017 to 2020 was still struggling with identity. Um, I didn't know who I was because I lived a lie for so long. And, you know, it was, it was a wall that I created, um, against everybody. And, uh, you know, I was, I was wearing different masks for different reasons with different people. And I, when I, when I went to Muddy Oaks, I, I took that, that mask off. And so it left me vulnerable. It left me exposed. And, here I am in my twenties trying to figure out who the heck I am, you know, and it, it, yet still trying to live everyday life at that point. And, uh, so that, that was really hard. And, um, you know, again, just, just getting into some stressors and stuff and put me in a dark place again. And, uh, so July 2020, I was getting ready to, uh ended again. Um, you know, again it was just something I was in a dark place, um, mentally. And uh I again I I took my gun, drove out into a remote location where I knew uh nobody would find me, at least for a very long time. And uh I left my phone, I left everything behind so I couldn't be tracked and you know, that was that was gonna be it. You know, I I in my car and uh i was sitting there and uh something uh i i had already reached out to you at that point mike right because yeah we were already talking
0: yeah.
3: um a <clears throat> little bit prior to that i i had reached out to mike because i was in a, in a pretty dark place and uh i have no other explanation for reaching out to like me me and mike we talked you know we 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 kept in contact but this time was a little bit different i i literally sat at my computer in uh in my house and i was trying to think on who i could talk to um and uh for whatever reason god god intervened and he was like you're gonna you're gonna talk to mike and uh so that's mike i reached out and his His response was uh a little unique uh because it's it's not that he was mad at me for for reaching out to him, but he asked he simply just asked me he was like why 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 are you reaching out to me right now and uh I was a little dumbfounded by that, but at the same time it was like it was the perfect timing because Mike was going through a lot of his issues that he's talked about on the show and and stuff and it was like it was the perfect timing for the both of us because it was hey, I'm on this journey, you're on this journey, let's do this, let's let's work this out. And that's when you guys were already talking and stuff too. And uh so I was like, Alright, cool and yet, you know, I still still was struggling with a lot of things and I let pride get in a lot of in the way of a lot of things and that's why July you know, I, I didn't reach out to Mike, you know, and I made him the promise that I was going to when we first started talking. And, uh, you know, it was, I was ashamed. I was ashamed of myself. I was ashamed of, of the things I've done, all the weight that I've carried throughout the years of, of the things I was doing. Um. So. Fortunately, um, God intervened a, a, another time you know, kind of like you guys were doing the, uh, the tenderhearted warrior, you know, Mike, Mike was kind enough to give me a copy of that. And, you know, on, on how he talks about, you know, God was trying to, trying to knock at his door and tell him, Hey, wake up. Like I'm trying to talk to you. And that, that was one of my moments there was that I was sitting there contemplating on what I was going to do. And, uh, oddly enough, something that Mike had told me popped into my head, and, uh, that's what kept me from completing what I was going, what I was set out to do, and, uh, I drove home, and, uh, talked to my wife, and, you know, she obviously was scared, she was out looking for me, and she had the kids with her, too, uh, which was even worse, uh, made me feel worse inside, and, um, I ended up, I reached out to Mike and I was like, Hey man, like, this is what happened. It was, I think it was like the next day or something I talked to you mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and that's, that's where we really, uh, hunkered down about, you know, trying to help each other out and everything. And, and, uh, you know, that's where I started listening to the, to the podcast with you guys and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, shortly after it was whenever I started going to church again friend of mine just randomly kind of uh uh he he invited me out to to church i was like okay like i was going to church a little bit beforehand and it just didn't stick and then uh i was like all right you know just just trying to you know be be a good person and i you know accepted the offer to go and just like you know what what do i have to lose out of this you know and oddly enough um <laughs> that very first day of sitting in that church uh the pastor was up there preaching, and he <laughs> he was talking to me like that that's <laughs> that's the only way I could describe it like he was no joke talking to me personally yeah and uh you know i i i was i was talking to my friend his name's joe um he's the one that invited me and uh i i i told him i was like dude like i'm i'm kinda like that that one sheep that that got away and uh just can't find my way back and uh oddly enough like that was one of the songs they sang and like i was like all right come on like he, <laughs> i knew he talked to i knew he talked to the pastor and like <laughs> you know and it was just like perfect timing for for what was going on in my life and uh so i was like all right whatever and me and the wife talked and we we're like all right we'll go again in the next week the same thing happened the next week and i was like y- y- you gotta be kidding me and uh like, I even said something to my buddy, Joe, and I was like, I was like, Joe, like, did did you say something? He's like, no, like, he's like, that's God, and I was like, okay, yeah, right, dude, like, and, uh, dude, I've been, I've been going to church every Sunday since, and, uh, you know, it made him crazy, um, it, the church is my family now, like, that's just how it is, like, um, you know, we, we, my family, we spent a lot of time there, and, you know, we do a lot of, a lot of great things with our church and everything. And we're, we're actually in the process of our church growing. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to be a part of that. And, uh, it's, it's changed me incredibly, um, as a person, uh, not only as a, as a, as a man, but just as a, as a person individually. Um, so yeah. And then, so, uh, so go Adam, ahead. Real, real quick, and just,
2: um, you know, just, I hate, I don't want to wrap this up at all i could sit here and listen to your story man i mean you <laughs> spit out some, dude, you're spitting out some absolute beautiful gold um you touched on it as you said you know the church is your family and, and we've talked about relationships with god and different stuff before and how that happens but i think and, and again i'm speaking for myself because i struggled with that as well but it's it's those relationships that you said you needed to focus on and give your time to instead of your time to these other things that such as addiction and sex and women or like whatever man right your your, right, your, right. your energy had to go into the right relationships and where they needed to be and um you know I'm not perfect by any means and that's why I was kind of like why are you reaching out to me for advice <laughs> I was right. like are you kidding me, man? (laughs) Like, I'm the wrong guy. But honestly, looking back, as you said, it was the right time. And I think God was like, hey, these two guys need each other more than they know. And, um, you know, starting those relationships with people and understanding that like, hey, my pride, my ego, all the BS masks that you're talking about, they don't exist here. Like when you step into this relationship, the masks they go away, and having that comfortability of knowing that, like, hey, I can tell you something. You're not going to judge me. You might tell me that I'm wrong, right, and hold me accountable. That's fine. I want you to, but we can have this conversation and we can get to where we need to. We we can talk about what we needed to, but we need. But we're also going to help each other get where we need to go. You know, and that's that's the beautiful thing I think about these relationships between us. Uh, when you go and you find a really good church where people are very close and in that, in under that roof, those masks don't exist and it's very open and it's just, it feels like home. Like that's the way I kind of describe it when I'm with people like that, like with Raph Mellon, all this. I, I'm at home and I can just talk and it, and it's so weightless. It's such a good feeling. Um, but just, uh, just to close it up a little bit, man, just, really cool thing adam hit us up the other day um about his journey you know he he was talking about his wife april doing a lot of charity work and stuff
3: and and collecting toys for uh how many families for christmas uh it was 15 families and uh 36 children yeah and like over each kid or each family getting like 40 gifts and stuff
2: like this i mean just Talk about struggling and what they've been through, but they turn around and, and they're such giving people and realizing like it's not just about us and, and sharing sharing the beautiful stuff w- with the world and other people that are going through hard times and everything. I mean, that's that's what this whole conversation is, is sharing the struggle, sharing the burden and the weight. And, and uh, as Raph says, pushing back against the chaos together is uh, such a beautiful thing. And I would just like to recognize Adam for one he's he's always been an amazing friend uh a a great marine but also an amazing man and father to his kids and we've had a lot of private conversations which i'll leave between him and i Uh, (laughs) but i'm extremely proud for um the steps that he's taken and also your outlook on legacy Right, it's not just about you in this moment. It's about 20 years from now, with what your children are going to remember and be appreciative of of who you were in these hard times, and that you didn't give up, that you didn't quit, that you didn't not seek out the right answers, the right path, you know, and help them along their journey as well. That it, that it wasn't just about you. So, I commend you, man. I love you for it. I'm proud of you, and uh, also. Adam is also, I won't steal your thunder, but a new teammate of a very distinct group up in Pittsburgh. If you'd like to share that before we go.
3: Yeah, this is, I was just getting ready to wrap up to that, um, uh, you know, the next step in, in my wonderful journey, um, is I, I am a new teammate to what's called the Pittsburgh Warriors. It's a adult, all veteran, uh, ice hockey team. Um, which is awesome. You know, I've been a huge hockey fan, played a little bit as a kid, and, uh, now I'm actually getting to be on the competitive level. You know, there's, there's a bunch of leagues out there all over the country. And, uh, you know, so anybody listening that's interested, they can look it up. Um, but yeah, they're, they're sponsored through the Pittsburgh Penguins and everything. So, yeah, it's pre- pretty cool. Pretty great opportunity and a bunch of great, great group of guys. You know, I've, I've only been to one practice so far. I got practice tonight. can't i can't wait look forward to it um it was like being in the barracks again like to to be honest like from from day one these guys were welcoming and stuff and you know all we do is talk talk crap on each other and you know it's and it it, it, it's just it's that feeling that i was missing um you know to me it was being right back at home creating a lot of bonds and and uh you know it just it, it makes me feel better um you know ha- having that that kind of relationship and, and you you you, you touched touched on that anyhow um it, it it's it's having those those real uh relationships those authentic relationships having having no no judgment no um just, just I, I don't even know what else to say about it you know? good
2: just do me yeah. one quick favor please just do the world a favor do not invite Mellon to play with you on the hockey team because he'll show up in short shorts and a suit tie and weird shit. And he just does not understand that, you know, American ice hockey and rugby don't mix. And he'll probably blend in with the ice. Let's be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I've been listening to you, man, and I'm just like, me going back to rugby you know, as a mature gentleman over 35 that uh, in the golf position rugby out there, and I'm just like, it's such a key for my mental health. to have friends that I don't work with, that so you've got that sense of community, whether it's in your church, sporting team. Raf and I were all talking about this just the other day. Just going out in the woods with some new Have that time with like-minded people who are choosing to do it at this age rather than, you know, your dad's making you feel it. You're all in there. You've all got life experience. And you can just rag on each other and hang out and you know, be men together. And it's such a healthy thing to have have that as an outlet together. You know, you're doing something positive to your body and all the rest of it. And I don't think you're going to send me on an skate anytime soon because I reckon I get real, you're, you're bored. You'd all bored me. I wouldn't be able to defend myself like a little bitch. But the two things that really good at in your story is, for me, um, Adam, were the authentic relationships and legacy and life. So those are things that really resonate with me for this story, and I'm sure that that is going to be, heard and felt by people listening to the story. And those two things sound like, like a throwaway line, you know, that when you have a relationship where you can actually be yourself, you feel compelled to be yourself, like you wouldn't want to be played with these people, but you know that they'll be doing you a good service. And they can do the same with you, you know, that's one thing. And the second one being aware of that element of legacy which you know, what are we all do for? how is the world going to be different in a hundred years? So we're all going to be? gone with us. How's the world going to be a different place because of us? And it could it be a better place or a worse place to be? And those two things are like you know, they're like a lot of uh because an open storm has been have everything alive on these batteries. Not just a, a pathway to someone, a rock bottom moment, but for any of us, you know, <clears discussion throat> to, to have something, an incremental improvement, and a way to move to Yeah, you might send me on the, on the offset. I reckon all, you're, you're all three of you did all the crazy.
3: Well, the funny thing was, is when I first told Mike about it, he, uh, his instant response was, dude, I'm totally proud of you. But we both know you're not that coordinated, so that's the lie. <laughs> I
2: mean, like, let's be honest. I mean, you, you give a Marine a rifle, okay. You give a Marine a wooden stick and tell him to go hit a small, come on. It's it's not going to be pretty. I mean, he's probably going to do more of the fighting aspect than actually <laughs> getting goals. But, hey, it's it's good. And uh, Melon kind of brought it up as, as being a healthy way, and Adam, you, you brought it up. Raph doesn't really play sports because he's an old man. He, he, you know, he's doing yoga in the corner while everybody else is scoring touchdowns. So um, <laughs> I love you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you talked about in some of your pursuit with with drinking and other things is you wanted to hurt people. You wanted to. There was this kind of rage and this this energy in you that was just toxic. You know, and a beautiful thing about sports is one, you're around people that you like and that you trust and you're a team. But those physical sports like football, rugby, hockey, even, you know, just running, right? People would play soccer or something like that. European football. Um, it's a healthy way to get rid of that build up, that energy, and to focus it and harness it into something positive, right? So when you hear people just like, hey, if you're feeling that way, go to the gym and, you know, hate some weight for a little bit and throw some weight around, Right. Then that, that could work for some people, but when you're in that team environment of other people where you can have those relationships where you're with other people, you can talk to other people, you, they, they can bring you up, you know, it's a different. Some people fire different when they're in the gym alone with their headset in and they just kind of zone out and do their thing. Other people might need that team environment with sports and be able to exert that energy and get it out in a healthy, positive way. I know I used to play flag football. It was contact flag football, but you could still go out and do it. And I was doing it every Friday, and it just was a way for me to release my frustrations, my, you know, everything else going on. And it helped me tremendously, you know. So I highly encourage people out there to go out to a rec center, Do something get in a community get together with your buddies on Sundays you know and and just toss around the old pigskin or something and just let it out and then afterwards maybe go somewhere sit down have some food have some great conversations and that can be your church that can be your group that can be your you know your your new family that you kind of build up on and focus on those relationships so I thought that was great Adam
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, you know, and that's one of the biggest things like with, with me telling telling my story is, is that it's finding those outlets, finding those, those different things that you could do, um, to, to get, get that stuff out, um, versus being destructive, you know, you get nowhere by being destructive. So, so having, having those resources, they're out there, you just got to reach for them. You got to find them just a little bit. And, um, you know, it, it makes that much of a difference and it, it took me a long time to, to find them, but you know, I, now that I found them, things, things couldn't be better. And I, I know we're going to, I know we have to wind
1: up because we've been, we've actually, this is probably the longest episode we've ever done. Um, but I just, I, Adam, you just nailed something that I, I really believe in and that's, it's really easy. As Melon, liked to, as Melon likes to say, to fuck it away, right? It's really easy to destroy everything that's around you because we do that really well without any help. I mean, especially with self-destruction, right? We, it's easy for us to sit there and set the rung really, really low and be like, I'm just going to fuck it away and just do the worst thing possible. It's really difficult to build something and build those around you. And so that that's my challenge for everybody. When you're going through life, just think about what you – like. Like, like, Boyd Mellon and everyone has been talking about is the, the legacy in life is it's about building the things that are around you. Because it's easy, like, look, it's easy to destroy shit. It's easy to cheat on your significant other. It's easy to just be a shit father. It's e- it's easy to do those things. It gives you a difficult life, but it's really easy to do. What's really difficult to do is to build the things around you and leave a legacy. Those take work. Those take effort. Those take skill. Those take patience. That's why. That's why it's difficult to do, but, uh, anyways, I think you just nailed it when you just said that, you know? Build something. Stop destroying everything. Don't be a shithead.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, uh, I knew we were gonna have a good episode. I just, is, and, uh, I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to where it was right for you to come on and share this thing because it's, it's friggin', It's big stuff. And this is stuff that's super relevant for our community. And if it's it's not just the veterans listening, it's the families of veterans and you know, the the regular people in society who also see people or have uh everyone has trauma in life, right? And we've all gonna deal with it, maybe you know, not to the same scale, uh, in every situation, but no one has, has as rap like this don't know that it's a big chunk cigar, right? And so I just, I really want to thank you for coming on and being so honest with us and authentic, exactly the word that you you highlighted with exactly who you think once you're talking about. Like. And uh, yeah, this is, this is definitely one of my favourites, in a, an amazing way, a super positive way, uh, reflecting on where we've been involved hard assessments too, right, like looking in the mirror that has to happen before we can ever take any those forward steps into productivity and, uh, and stuff. So hats up to you for coming on. Is there anything else you wanted to leave the listeners with me?
3: No, we we pretty much t- you know we could talk all day. Um, but no, uh, no we 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 pretty much talked about every everything that was important, you know, I, again just making sure to have those authentic relationships with people. <clears throat> there, there's no better way to to have a relationship than just to be yourself. Even though if you don't know who it is, like who you are, just be. <clears throat> and then again with the legacy, you know, like that's that's the biggest thing that that resonates with me.
0: One <laughs> <laughs> background of your story, and that's really you walk, just an absolute and anchor, and uh, you know, Shout out to her and, and the family. I just wish you guys all the best for this year and and uh, for many, many years after this. And, uh, uh, for all the listeners, if you want to get in, in contact with Adam, you can come through any of us. That's your average line, so it's around at call, at Gmail. You can, uh, leave a, leave a review or a rating and we'll make sure that any information you want to get to Adam, you can get to him. Um, our community is blessed to have you on board, man. I really appreciate you. No, I'm much appreciated. Sense. Thanks for being with us. This is a long one. It was pretty really going. And this is life. And uh until next week, stay safe. Have a great Catch you about your own authentic relationship with me.